you've rewritten your story. You've you've chosen not to listen to the bullies. We've all had adversity in some ways. Lots of people have. And I'm a real believer that adversity can propel us to success. But you sat down at that table looking at that huge swathe of credit card bills in front of you thinking, how on earth am I going to get out of this? Whether it's six figures, seven figures or getting a book deal or it doesn't matter if you make 15 million, that might not be the thing that makes you happy. Success is very lonely if you're the only one there. Like the more women we can get making money, the more we have a chance. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the power of storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us today. I'm really excited about my guest that's joining us. She is a business strategist, seven-figure business owner, and she's also known as the passive income queen, the one, the only Lisa Johnson. Hello and good morning. And having you with us is such an amazing thing for the podcast. How are you today? I'm all right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's really good to have you with us. And I think because we've been in each other's worlds for several years now, and I've been able to see how your story has changed, how it's developed, how you have embraced that story as you've gone through. For people listening, tell them a little bit about how your initial story actually came about. Yeah, I guess my initial story started when I had the twins. So I had twin boys and I realized quite quickly that I wasn't going to be able to just continue life as before. I was going through a divorce. And so went back to work when they were five months old and realized that I never saw them and I needed to do something different. And I also still needed to make money as the breadwinner. And so I ended up getting a job that was just near my house, part, near enough part-time. It was like nine to four or something like that, for five days. So I could still see the twins before and after work because before that I was working Canary Wharf in London. I never got to see them. And while I was there, I realized that I was bored because I'd gone from a job where I was had quite a lot of responsibility to one where I was not really doing very much. And so I had a lot of time. And so I thought I would start a side hustle. And I didn't know anything about business, but I started a wedding planning business and it went reasonably well. It went very bad for the first year, as I think most businesses do, if you don't know anything about business. And then I started learning more about business and it went quite well. And people started to ask me how I'd, how I'd become a little bit successful. And so I started to teach them and realized that I had a bit of a knack for teaching people business, but without all the jargon and all the complication. And those people started to make more money. And then I realized that actually it was a much better idea for me to be teaching people about business rather than having the wedding planning business. Got rid of the wedding planning business, actually gave it away to somebody. And then I opened up Lisa Johnson's strategy about six years ago. And everything kind of just flew from there. And I suppose my original story, if you like, the one that I used for newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing, 
was that I went from £30,000 in debt six years ago to earning £15 million in that time. And that was a, you know, a big story. But I do think that it, it changes as you go. Yeah, it completely does. And I think even though you rewrote that story from being at that low point to having £30,000 in debt to having the success that you have today, that doesn't have to just be the only story that you tell. There are several stories that you can tell. And it's really important to remember that we get to decide which stories that we tell as well. I think that's really important because there are stories I have from my past that I haven't told. You know, there are things that have happened to me that I decided to keep out of the public domain and to not use as stories. And I do think we get to choose. People often think that they know my entire life because I'm fairly open on social media, but there are massive things that I've never spoken about. And I think that's okay. Like we get to choose and we get to decide our angles and our stories. And as things have moved on, you know, a lot of my story now is about integrity in the industry and how I'm trying to change that. And this story is about me working with my my whole family and friends as my team, which is quite unusual, and doing a four-day week and a limited holiday and all of those kind of things. And those stories are now the ones that people are concentrating on a lot more than the fact that I made a lot of money. I think it was almost, it worked for a certain point in time. And I know that we worked together quite a lot around that time in terms of getting you out there talking about that big journey that you've been on. But like you say, you're now on another journey. And I think it's really important that we remember that when we're telling stories, there are chapters. It's like a book and it's like anything. Each of our lives are like a book and you have the front cover and you have it right from the very beginning. And then you go through I think for me, one of the things that I really love about you, and you you touched on it there, you're working with your friends and your family. And I love the fact that one of your friends in particular, your best friend, aside from your sister, you met at school, but you actually met in quite difficult circumstances. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, she was being bullied. And I, I'd been bullied my whole childhood at a private school because I've got a scholarship to a private school. And because I was poor and they were rich, I was getting bullied there. And so with the agreement of my father, I asked if I could move schools out of the private school and go to a mainstream school. I was in an all-girls school. It was a toxic environment. And so at the age of 14, I moved to the local grammar school. And that's where I met Hazel. And Hazel was already being bullied. And I could see that because it had happened to me. And so immediately was like, went to her defense. That's where I felt like I needed to be. And that put a target on my back. And we were both bullied relentlessly for years. And, you know, that's become a part of my story because I now do work for Bullies Out, an anti-bullying charity. And lots of what I talk about is around anti-bullying. And that becomes part of the story. And, you know, I do, I work with my family and friends who have all had different types of adversity, I guess you'd call it. Like we've all had adversity in some ways, lots of people have. And I mean, we all believe that, that adversity can propel us to success. And by having those people around me, it reminds me of that. Yeah. And I think that that's really special. I love the fact that you are still so close and that actually something really good, a really positive came out of what was quite a traumatic time of your life for you as well, just with that friendship. And she works for me now. <laughs> you know, she's my finance director. And I think one of the great things is that normally when you get bullied, especially through childhood, you feel very alone. And 
no one really understands it as an adult unless you've been through it. I think it's really hard to understand how it still affects you as an adult. You know, people are like, why haven't you got over it yet? But it affects everything you do because it's such a traumatic experience as a child. And having Hazel work with me and she's still my best mate, it means when we talk about it, we both get it and we both realize what the other person is sometimes going through. And also when you've come up against moments online where people feel that they can go down the road of being more bullying towards you and and doing not very pleasant things, I guess having that person next to you who understands what it's like, but also just that support is just invaluable. Yeah, really invaluable. And not just the support from her, but having a team has made everything different. Because before, if you know, competitors or, or somebody has it in for you online. And I remember in the first year when that happened to me, you feel very alone. You feel like you can't fight back. There's just one of you and you're, you're hiding. But having a team around me means that I don't even feel the need to fight back. Like it doesn't matter because you realize that the people that matter are the people around you in real life and they don't, they don't care about what's happening online. And so it's made it much easier for me to be able to just not even bother getting into the the argument, not even bother defending myself because I think that's a much better way to go. And, and it was much more difficult for me to do that when I was on my own. Do you feel that through your story, through your business growth, that you have grown as a person as well? Massively. And I think that's why stories change. I think we evolve as people. The evolution of me that has gone on in the last six years is immense. I would have said that my my why, if you like, was money at the beginning. I really wanted to make lots of money. And I used to look up at people that had millions of pounds and they'd say, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. And I was like, yeah, right. When you come from the poor background that I do, it's definitely going to buy me happiness. And it did, it did buy me opportunities and definitely bought me experiences. But I was very shocked to realize it didn't buy me happiness. And one of the the stories that I talk about now is deciding what success is for yourself because I realized that I'd made 50 million. I didn't feel successful. I felt successful in other areas of my life that weren't anything to do with the money. And I realized the money was never going to do it. It was just a smokescreen for like doing some inner work and realizing that actually you can be really happy and really successful on a very little amount of money. It's not about the money. It's about everything that you have around you and the real, the real things that you have around you. And it's really difficult for me to use this story because until people are at that stage, just like I did, I was like, yeah, right. It's all right for you to say that because you're already there. And I know that people look at me and go, well, it's all right for you to say that you've made all this money. But I think we need to listen to people who are saying it because it would save us a lot of trauma and we waste half our life trying to get the money trying to become the perceived version of what success is. And we're not enjoying the time getting there. We're just waiting for the next hit, whether it's six figures, seven figures, or getting a book deal, or, you know, all of these things that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to tick off as entrepreneurs. And it's such a waste because we're not enjoying the bits where we're getting there. You know, the bits in between are the bits that actually, when you look back, they're the bits you remember. Is that what you would say to yourself as you sat down at that table looking at that huge swathe of credit card bills in front of you thinking, how on earth am I going to get out of this? Is that what you would say to you? Enjoy the journey. Yeah. Like you will be able to pay off the debt. You will be able to do the things you want to do and you will have a choice of exactly how much money you want to make eventually. 
but enjoy the journey getting there because otherwise you're just going to wait for these these big like we do when we're younger and we're like, oh, if I can find the boyfriend, if I can get married, if I could have the kid, then I'll be happy. We're always waiting for the, then I'll be happy. And actually, it doesn't matter if you make 15 million, that might not be the thing that makes you happy. The stuff on the way to it is going to be the thing that makes you happy, but you're not even looking at that when you're going through it. You only see it afterwards. When you were like focused, obviously, on getting yourself out of debt and everything else, did you have to do some money mindset? Because I can imagine that people suddenly start making money or or they have a lottery win or something else, and then they blow it all within about five seconds flat. How did you ensure that you were in the right mind space to be able to be able to cope with the success that was coming and is continuing to come your way? Yeah, I I did money mindset, but on the wrong things. So my money mindset was focused on, I didn't believe I could make money because of where I come from, because I grew up in a council estate, because of all the different things that happened in my background, because of the bullying, I didn't believe I could make money. So it didn't matter how hard I tried, money wasn't coming in. The money mindset work that I did was to change the narrative of that, to believe that I could make money. And I did, and it worked. You know, I, I got over that and I started making a lot of money. What I didn't do is think past that point. What happens if you get the money? Then what are you supposed to do? If I think back to the first two years, I just spent. I was just like, wow, I've never had this much money before. Let's just blow it. Let's just do everything we want. It didn't feel real. It felt like monopoly money. And so I wasn't doing the things that if I could go back now, I invest a lot. But if I would started earlier, you know, I was 41 when I started making money. So I could then, you know, do so much more with it. That money could have made other money, but no one prepares you for that if you've never had any money. And the money mindset work that I needed to do was the difference between rich and wealthy, like realizing that you don't just want to be rich, you want to be wealthy. And it's very different. Wealthy is where money makes money for you and where it will leave a legacy. It will be much longer lasting. I was rich, so I was spending money on all the wrong things. When you are looking at legacy, how important is it for you that you bring others along with you, that you lift others up and you take them on that journey? Because I think that's been part of your success, that you've been able to do that. It's really important. I realized a long time ago, that success wasn't really success unless you pulled others up with you. Because success is very lonely if you're the only one there. Like you need other people to be there enjoying it with you. And whether that's treating family and friends to things or whether it's actually helping other people to become as rich as you, have as much money as you, have the success that you have. And I realized that that makes me happier when I'm doing that. So yeah, I think it's really important. I think that you'll never feel very successful if you get yourself to a place where you feel above anyone. That's never going to make you happy. All move together. You know, we all help each other. You're in a much better position. And when you look and you you get these all the time where you get people saying, oh my gosh, I have been able to do this for the first time ever. I've been able to go to Disney World, Florida because of what you've taught me and things like that. Are those the things that really make you smile because they're massive differences. If you kind of can put yourself back into that position where they are, it's such a huge change. 
It's massive. It's the biggest reason, I think, why we do what we do is when we hear that lives have been changed. And I don't just mean the, oh, I'm now, you know, I've made millionaires. And people say, you know, you've helped me make a million. That's great. But actually, it's the smaller ones that have the biggest impact. When someone says to me, you know, I really just wanted to take my kids to school every morning. And that's like their biggest thing. They just wanted to do that thing. And they didn't need a lot to be able to do it, but they couldn't see a way that they could leave work to be able to do it. They might have only needed to make £2,000 a month. That's all it would take for them to feel massively successful because success to them meant spending more time with kids. And it's those that get you because you're like, wow, that person has actually changed their whole life because of something you taught them. But more than that is the ripple effect. When they teach other people to do the same thing, like you, you're now teaching other people to have the lives that they really want to have with the power of, of storytelling and the power of the media, that's massive because think of those people who will then go on to help other people. The ripple effect is the biggest thing. It really is. And going back to what you were saying about being the mum on the school gates, of course, that was me five years ago. That's all I wanted to do. And I had no idea how to do it. I knew I wanted to do it, but I had no idea how to do it. How much do you believe that finding someone that can guide you along that path is so important to be able to enable you to have that success? I mean, I know it, it, like obviously me finding you as my business coach and mentor changed everything for me, but how important is that for others to be able to be able to learn as they go? I think it's important. I don't think it's as important as coaches will tell you. I think that people can get there on their own. It's slower, of course, because they're not going to learn from your mistakes. Having guidance, having someone that's been there is always going to be helpful, even just to show it can be done. I think that's a lot of it, or to give you permission or to keep you accountable and those kind of things. But I do believe it can be done without. I think that people have a choice and there's so many ways to learn things for free these days. And there's other people that want to shortcut things. And they get the choice of working with people like us to be able to shortcut it. But I think that there's a fallacy out there that, you know, if you don't have a mentor, you don't have a coach, you won't make it. And I've seen lots of people that can. So I don't believe that to be true. I just think it helps speed speed things up. And some people want to speed things up. Not everyone does. Let's go back to the ripple effect because it's a massive part of what I believe in as well. Being able to impart knowledge, to be able to help others so that then they can be seen and be known for what it is that they do. And so other people can come to them and they can attract those people as well. For you, your ripple effect and the ripple effect that you've been having since you've been running your business, where in your mind does this ripple effect actually take you? It goes to changing the whole of the online industry. That's where it goes to. Like my ripple effect isn't that a load of people make a load of money. That's not the ripple effect I want to have. It's great that people make money from doing the things they do and from having these businesses and from helping other people and having an impact on other people. I want that. That's great. But the real legacy, the real ripple effect that I want is for people to be able to do that and sleep at night, to do that and realize that there's a way to do it without scamming people, that there's a way to do it without using trauma marketing or you know, forcing people to think that they'll never be good enough unless they they do it. A way to do it where you don't have to make people feel that they need to put things on credit cards to be able to afford you. 
I think that there's so much in this industry that's wrong that what I would love to see, and and I see shifts of it now, is for people to realize there's another way and that you can still make a lot of money and you can still be a success and not use any of the the sleazy tactics that we're seeing out there. When you look at, you know, your next chapters, where do you see yourself in three years, five years time from now? We've got big things coming, you know, in the company. In October, we're launching a new company that's going to really help with making sure that the people that are in the online industry are doing it in an ethical way, in a, in a really good way. So I'm really looking forward to that happening. Where I see myself, what I would love to have, if it was ever to, to be the right thing for me, is to have a bigger impact by having some kind of show on television where we talk about money. I really want people to be more open about money. I think in this country, we're not great at talking about money. We see it as vulgar and all these other things. And it's why women aren't making as much money. And if we just open up the conversation a little bit, I think it will work really well. And I think having a program on television where we talk about how to make money, how to invest money, how to save money, all of these different things in a really easy to understand way that anyone can action, I think it would be a really good thing. And and that's where I'd love to get to. It's so true. I think we still very much. And I think we kind of have still that stiff upper lip around money. We do, you know, we don't talk about it. We keep it quiet about what we're earning because we can't discuss it because other people have issues around it. So if you mention that you are earning X, Y, Z, someone else will feel triggered by that. And I know that you've seen that quite a lot as well, haven't you? I've seen it loads. You know, if I'm in, during COVID, A newspaper ran an article on me about how I was helping the economy by, you know, I was still employing people. We were making a lot of money during COVID. And so I was able to employ people. I didn't use furlough at all or any of those things. And so a newspaper ran an article, but none of the comments on that article afterwards were good because people can't see past a a lack mentality, which is basically if she's got this money, I haven't. And that, you know, there's enough money for everybody. Like, we, d- we can't think of it like that. If she's making lots of money, I should be annoyed. Instead, it needs to be, okay, she's making lots of money. How can I also do the same? But people don't think like that. So especially I got a lot of backlash from men around that time, which I find really interesting. It doesn't bother me these days. I just find it really interesting how if that was in Dubai, it would have been a very different conversation. If that was in the USA, it would have been a different conversation. But in, in England, we're told pretty much from an early age that having money is a bad thing. But why? Did that interest you that it's mainly from men that were making those comments as opposed to women? I expected that I would trigger men more because they don't, not all men obviously, but there are some men that don't believe that women should be doing better than them. And I know that you've seen this firsthand and these examples that I'm going to pull out. It's again, it's that whole kind of story of if someone is successful, I firmly believe that we should be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And we should be celebrating that. And then, like you say, looking at how, how can I get there? What what do I need to do? What, what were the steps that they took? But I know that you've had on quite a few occasions, you've been out shopping with your husband, Sam, and Someone has gone up, sort of like the store owner will go up to Sam and say, what do you do? 
Like, where do, where do you earn all of your money? And I love Sam's reaction. So tell us one of those stories where you've been shopping. I mean, this happens on a weekly basis now. I'll tell you one from last week. We were in Sandy Lane in Barbados. There was an amazing jewellery store there. And I said, oh, let's go and have a look. I've got a bit of money to spend on a piece of jewellery. Let's go and see. And we were looking at a piece of jewellery and talking about it. And the sales assistant came up to Sam and went, Think you need to get your wallet out. Your wife's hinting at what she wants to buy. And Sam just went, yeah, except that she's got all the money and she's the one that will be buying it. And they don't know what to do with that when they hear that. But it happens all of the time. I've had people who, you know, an estate agent was a great example. I called the estate agent to look around a two million pound house. But when they called back, they want to speak to my husband. It's ridiculous. Why? Why is it seen that women can't earn the money? You know, we've been around furniture shops and bought a lot of things. And then the person that owned the store has gone over to Sam and said, oh, well, you've bought so much stuff. What do you do for a living? And he's always like, well, I work for her. <laughs> he, he has no qualms about telling it like it is. But it, it bothers me. I mean, one of the latest things that has really bugged me about how we are in the UK with men and money is my kids I've just been enrolled into a decent school and it's a private school, which we, we wrangled with, but because of the schools around here, we decided to go that way. I'm paying everything. So their dad isn't paying a penny towards them at the moment. And we've come to that arrangement that I'm the one that will pay for everything because I earn money. And, you know, me and their dad got divorced 10 years ago. So I told them, you know, I'll be paying the bills. If you can send the bills to me, they won't. They will only send them to their dad, even though he's having nothing to do with it, he's not paying of it. They know that, but they have to put the man's name on it first. And that great. That would really great me as well. I think that there's catching up to do, isn't there? And I know you are a massive fan. You went to see the Barbie movie quite recently, and that addresses a lot of the kind of very skewed way that we look at things. There's the patriarchy and, and obviously there's a huge swathe of very, very successful women. How much do you feel like they're being held back because of, well, that's how we've always done things. So that's how we're going to continue to do things. Possibly. We see it in all walks of life where they're held back, you know, whether it's the childcare bill or, or anything to do with the abortion rights. Like we're constantly held back and it needs to change. But I think that power happens where the money is. The more women we can get making money, the more we have a chance at having a bit of power and being able to, to, to right the wrongs. And I'm not saying that women should, you know, in the Barbie movie, it was a bit like at the end, women should be the ones with most of the power. I think we all just want equality. We're not saying we want more. We just want equality there. And that equality will come the more of us that, that make the money and have positions at the top of the game. Do you feel now, now that you've been through the journey that you have been through, that you have more of the freedom that you always aspired to. Yes, you know, you began like thinking you just wanted the money to get you there, but do you feel like you've actually got the freedom that you were after? I do. Money provides a little bit of freedom, but often it also traps you and gives you no freedom. So you have to be really careful when you're making money because the more money you make, the more you're kind of trapped into the lifestyle that you've given yourself. So if you have to work a lot, to be able to make that money, there's an issue because you don't have freedom again. Financial freedom is very different to 
any other type of freedom that you might want. The freedom I wanted was time freedom, which I now have, but it came at, I made some good decisions about having a team and it's the team and the business model that we use that has given me all the freedom. I mean, you've seen I travel all summer, which I love. And last week was the first time in six years that I traveled and I realized that normally I do a little bit of work on the plane. I had absolutely nothing to do. And I was like, how have I got nothing to do? Like we were doing so, so much at the moment, but my team is doing it all. And I'm now literally that person that has the ideas and someone else takes them and runs with them. And it's taken six years to get there. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's a reminder that if you are doing all the things right now, it's okay. Hold on. Because if you carry on doing what you're going to do, there is a way for you to be able to, to get there. Yeah. Long-term game. And I think that we're in this industry where people believe that if you haven't made it or made six figures or got loads of freedom within like a six-month period, you've somehow failed. And the reality is these things take years to get to where they need to get to. So in the first two years, you're going to be obsessed with your business. You need to be obsessed with your business to make it work and to get through that really difficult period, which is the first couple of years, the, the period that most people fail in. You've got to be obsessed with it. You've got to be giving it 110%. You, you're not going to have a work-life balance. Let's not pretend that you're going to have a work-life balance. You're not going to. You're going to see kids less. You can do a lot less. You might have less money because you're putting it all into the business. But it's all for what happens after that to get you to the place that you want to be. Sometimes you're going to have to make a few sacrifices along the way. And, you know, I'm. it was hard. There were times when it was really hard and there were obstacles in the way. But I'm now in a position where I'm like, it was all worth it because now look, look at the amount of time I get to spend with the kids. This is what they'll remember and the work ethic that went into it. If you were to look at your story, and for me, the power has always been, you've rewritten your story. You've, you've chosen not to listen to the bullies. You chose to actually go down your own path, become your own boss, do things at a time when people are like, really? You think you're going to? Right up to now, and that rewriting your story continually, which chapter would you say has made you happiest? This final chapter, and and I still think there's a way to go. I still think there's, I've got to get out of the mentality of needing to constantly be doing doing, doing, doing something. I'm still learning how to just be and how to find pleasure in the simple things, which I think is, uh, comes from finding pleasure in things you can buy. I think it's really hard when you have a lot of money to suddenly realize that actually pleasure comes from much smaller things, a dinner with friends, going to the cinema, listening to a guitar. It doesn't have to be things that thrilling things that you do going on a massive holiday and all of those kind of things. And I still have that bit to learn and I'm still working on it. I think when we're always a work in progress, but I think this last chapter, I think the best thing that happened to me was last year when I was on a yacht with all of my real friends that I've been friends with for years and years who really don't care about what I do. Uh, I had an epiphany of sorts, which was that I needed to get off the success train that everybody had put me on. You know, people were asking me, when are you get into eight figures? When are you get into multi-eight figures? When are you doing this? When are you and I was like, well, I don't even know why I'm doing things anymore. I'm just doing things because everyone expects me to be doing things. Like, how much money do I really need? When am I going to stop and go, okay, I'm happy now? And I realized it was nothing to do with the with what I was doing and I needed to stop doing it and to do something different and to think differently and to find joy in things differently. And that has changed the whole of my last year and made it much better, much more fun. 
would you say as a result, you're more at peace with yourself? Massively more at peace. I'm not really that bothered about what people say about me or or any of those kind of things. I've just realized what matters. And it took me some time. (laughs) And at the end of the day, it's happiness, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's peace. It's happiness. It's knowing what's real around you. And there's a, when you're in a world where 90% of your life is social media, you forget what's real and what isn't like we need to wake up to it a little bit and use social media for what we need to use it for and then get back to our real world. Very wise words. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today on the Power of Storytelling podcast. It's been great to have you with us. If someone's listening and they're thinking, I want to find out more about this lady and this incredible journey she's been on and how she can potentially help me also have the same level of success, where can they find you? Two different places. I'm always on Instagram at Lisa Johnson Strategist and um, I answer all of my own messages there. So do come and say hi. And also on lisajohnson.com, there's a freebie section at the top of my website where you can sign up to get lots of free stuff and you will hear from me if you do that. Brilliant. And don't forget, if you are thinking about being seen in the media and you're not sure how ready you are for PR, then sign up for our free quiz at pr-quiz.com. Until next time on The Power of Storytelling, I'll see you again soon.